0: Amen, let's pray together. Father God, we pray that those words would be true in our hearts, even as we sing them. For some of us, it is very real, it is very true. We want to yearn, we want to burn with passion. We want you to be our daily bread, we want you to be the very air that we breathe, but so often, God, as we walk through life, we don't want that, or at least we don't act like it. We trust ourselves, we trust our own strength, our own plans. You get in the way of what we want. God, we pray that you would align our hearts with yours, that you would change us and mold us, that you would be what we want, that you would be the air that we breathe. And so we sing this this morning, God, and it's a declaration and a prayer at the same time, and God, we pray that we would be changed. God, as we come to your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us, God, that you would reveal yourself a little more fully to us, that we can follow you a little more closely and share you a little more freely with the people around us. We ask that you would speak and move this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning, a very, very powerful and special things for us to be able to declare together. Uh, Turn with me this morning as we begin, as we step into the word. Turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be continuing uh, to explore as we kind of walk through the Sermon on the Mount and the other teachings of Jesus. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 43 here and read this passage on love for our enemies. Love for enemies. I'm going to try not to preach before I preach, but uh, so we'll read this together first. Matthew chapter 5, starting verse 43, we'll have for you on the screen here as well if you need. And Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Easy. No big deal. We'll let that speak for itself. But what does it mean... To love someone that hates you. What does it mean to pray for someone that is hurting you? How can we do something that feels impossible? And how can he ask us to be perfect? Jesus has said what He means, and He means what He said. But how can He ask us to do this? Do you love your enemies? This morning we've come to one of the most challenging things that Jesus ever said. We're walking through our series this year, studying and exploring the Word The power and the beauty and the truth and the depth of Scripture. The words that God has given us to help us understand Him. To help us understand what He has made. To help us understand ourselves and what life was meant to look like. How He created us to live. And ultimately to help us understand the relationship we were created for. And what He has done to bring us back to Himself. To make us whole again. The Word is life. The Word is power. It is truth. And it is hope. It reveals to us our sin. And it points the way back to Him. In these pages is everything we need. To know salvation and find direction and to be restored to everything He created you to be in Himself. The Word is good. And even more, the Word is God because the Word is more than just a book. It's a living person who became Flesh to reveal God to us and to become the sacrifice that brings us forgiveness and new life. Jesus is the living word. And he came to teach us how to live. To show us what life was supposed to look like and to tell us about what he has made. So we started this journey in the fall back in September, looking at the different pieces of Scripture, the different ways that God has spoken to us, the different types of writings that he's given us, law and prophecy and wisdom and all these different things in a unique way that they each reflect his heart and his nature as he seeks to help us understand who he is. And then in the Advent season, we studied the very nature of Jesus, this living word, this truth, that scripture, that the word is not just words on a page, it is this person. And we asked him who he is and what he told us about himself when he said, this is who I am. And now in this new year, we're coming to this new series, the Red Letter Words, where we want to see and understand what Jesus has told us about his kingdom, but what life is meant to look like, how he wants us to live, the way he sees things, and how he wants us to see like he does, to see people like he does. And on that journey, we're walking through the Gospel of Matthew, a a Gospel filled with the teachings of Jesus, those red-letter words where God Himself walked with His creation and spoke to them about His kingdom and new life and the things He wanted them to see. It's an incredible thing to think about this. God Himself has spoken to us. And by His Word and His church and His Spirit, He still is. He is alive and He is speaking to us today of His love and His grace and His truth. We don't wander in darkness. He is here with us. And as we study His Word and walk with the Word and live by the Word, He will make Himself known to us. As we study the teachings of Jesus, God makes Himself known to us his heart, his mind, and his nature. And as we submit to what he has said, accept those truths, he shapes and molds and transforms our lives, shapes us more and more into the image of Jesus, little by little, making us new. And so we started this journey A few weeks ago in Matthew chapter 5 in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. The place that Jesus begins his teaching ministry here in this gospel. Sharing with his followers his vision of his kingdom. What his kingdom truly looks like and what a person who lives in the kingdom will be like. He starts with the Beatitudes, revealing to us that the kingdom is backwards and upside down from everything we think and everything we value. That if we want to understand anything, we have to understand Him. Have to look at life through Him. Not our own pride or our own instinct. We talked about being salt and light, God's nature shining through our lives and about the kind of behavior that God desires for us. That murder isn't just the act of killing, but is hatred in our hearts. That adultery isn't just a physical relationship outside of marriage, but it's rooted in the way we even think about other people. That it's not just about barely acting good enough, Not giving in to bad actions, but it's about a transformed and renewed heart and mind. Seeing things, seeing people in a totally new way. And a kingdom way, His way. And now, today, we come to the last part of this first section. Where Jesus calls us not to something just difficult, but impossible. invites us to understand life in this kingdom in in a new way, that these things he's teaching us are only possible when we are restored in new life with him. And as with all of these teachings, Jesus begins with what we think we know. You have heard that it was said Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And that's how the whole world works. It just makes sense. And in a sense, it's not even necessarily vindictive, but protective. We're protecting ourselves from our enemies by standing against them. Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. It's how every society has ever worked, everywhere, forever. But I tell you, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute that you you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? If you greet only your own people, What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is one of the most challenging things that Jesus ever said because what he is calling us to And what it is calling to is one of the deepest parts of our experience. Our sense of being wronged and wanting justice. And our desire to make things right or at least get even. Feeling hurt is is a universal experience. We have all faced Hurt, we have all been hurt by someone else, sometimes very, very deeply. Sometimes someone who genuinely means to do us harm emotionally, spiritually, physically. We know what it means to be hurt, to have an enemy. And the people that Jesus is talking to here knew that as well. In some ways, maybe even better than we do, Jesus has a large crowd gathered around him here on this mountainside where he's preaching. This huge crowd had followed him there. And so do you know who else would have been standing there too? Roman soldiers. The Jews were under Roman occupation. And rule, suppressed and abused by this gigantic foreign power, who exerted their will over these people, however they saw fit, taxing them, imprisoning them, taking from them, even killing them, hurting them and their families for generations. And with a huge gathering like this, absolutely guaranteed there were Roman soldiers there keeping an eye on things. They wouldn't let a gathering like this just happen without somebody being there just to keep an eye, maybe break it up if it got out of hand. And as soon as they showed up, you know that the crowd gathered there was angry and uncomfortable at the very sight of them. Their enemy. What's going to happen? Are they going to hurt someone? Are they going to beat someone up? Are they going to arrest someone? Are they going to break up this crowd and send us all home? We are so tired of being pushed around and abused. Of our places of worship being desecrated and controlled. At the birth of Jesus, just a couple of chapters before this, you flip like one page back in your Bible. Herod had all the boys under the age of two in the town of Bethlehem killed after the visit of the Magi to try to eliminate Jesus. You think these people didn't know the cruelty of Roman rule. Their enemy was real and right there standing before them. We hate them. Jesus says to that crowd in that place with those men standing guard, love your enemy, pray for those who are persecuting you. How? How can he say that to them? Doesn't he know what they've been through, what we've been through? Doesn't he know what's been done to us? What we're facing? We don't have the Roman army harassing and abusing us every day. We are fortunate to be able to live in a time and a place where we can worship in relative freedom and safety in this season. And so sometimes a statement like this can feel a little bit nebulous to us. Who is my enemy? Do I really have one like that in my life? But so many of us do. A friend of mine who lives uh, in Ontario we got divorced a couple of years ago. There's usually two sides to a story and relationships are complicated and mistakes made on both sides and things break down. But in this case, he's not perfect by any means, but he's a good guy. And over a couple of years, his wife just kind of started to become filled with this loathing for him. This hatred for him. She became very angry and abusive and he tried to get counseling with her, tried to figure this out. She just wanted nothing to do with him, wanted him out of her life. What changed? He couldn't even figure it out. She left him and in the divorce claimed all kinds of terrible things against him, ruined their finances, ruined their future, ruined Their life made every step of the separation as difficult and painful and messy as possible. It was a horrific thing for him to walk through. The love of his life became his enemy. Tried to hurt him in every way she could. Some of us have experienced genuinely horrible things in relationship. Abuse and selfishness. A boss or a coworker that just has it out for us, makes every moment difficult, makes our life miserable, just hates us, is trying to get us fired for reasons we can't see or understand. Parents or family members or children that have done terrible things, said terrible things. Some of us truly know what an enemy looks like. And here on this hillside, Jesus sees us, sees you, sees all of it, sees your story, knows all of it. Knows your hurt, your pain, your fear. And he says, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Be perfect. Because your heavenly father is perfect. Not just tolerate them. Not even forgive them or be kind, love them, pray for them. No one had ever said anything like this before. There had been other religions, other leaders, other philosophers, other cultures, no one said this. And there are even some after Jesus, as in my research this week, there are some religions and philosophies out there who make allusions to this kind of statement, but they often appeal to Jesus in that, just like Jesus said, love your enemies. This is such a radical idea, such an opposite way to understand life. No one had ever said this before, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. It it doesn't work. We can't do that. I can't do that. They've hurt me. They are hurting me still. I'm still going through it. They're hurting someone I love, someone I care about. I'm watching it happen. I'm filled with anger. I can't love them. I can't pray for them. I want to hurt them back. I want justice. I want revenge. I want to make it right to make them hurt like they've hurt me. Everything in us makes this feel wrong. This isn't right. This isn't fair. This isn't what's supposed to be. I can't do that. How am I supposed to do that? Jesus, how are we supposed to do this? But Jesus meant it. And he meant it so much that he said it more than once. In the Gospel of Luke, we have kind of another mini-sermon on the mount. It says Jesus was with another crowd in another place, in a flat place, it says. Really trying to make sure it's clear. This is not the same time. On that flat place with another crowd. Again, he said in Luke chapter 6, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting anything back. What is he talking about here? How can he say these things? How is this fair? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Lend to your enemies. Work with them. Don't expect anything back. That's fair enough probably. Be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect. This teaching of Jesus is impossible for us. It's beyond what we can do, beyond what we're able to bear. And yet he said it so matter-of-factly, so simply, so straightforward. Jesus is showing us his kingdom, what it's like, and inviting us in, that if we'll believe him, if we can do this, we will know life. We will know Him, know people, know our Father like He does. And it's completely different from what we know. And He knows that the only way to do this is in new and restored relationship with Him. And He showed us what it looks like on the cross. As He hung there, mocked, naked, Tortured, broken, abandoned, surrounded by enemies. Punished for things he did not do by people that hated him for trying to show them who God is. He said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Love your enemies. Pray for those who are persecuting you. The only way for us to do what He is telling us to do is to accept what He has done for us. Because the only way we can find that kind of love is in Him. And in that new life that He gives us, then we can bring that light and that new love to people too, to our family and to our friends and even to our enemies. That the love that he showed to us, that even while we were still sinners, he died for us. That he is calling us to show that same love that we have received to others. Not by our strength. Not by our grace. Not by our love, but by his. His love, his strength, his grace. That he showed us on the cross. This is the new life that we can know in the gospel. A completely transformed heart and mind made new in the spirit. Filled with a love that isn't fair by our standards. With a grace that doesn't make sense from the ways of the world. But truly forgiven and free and offering that freedom. That forgiveness and grace and love to others. And Scripture is filled with the power of these words. Romans chapter 12, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not repay evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. With everyone. Romans 5, you see at just at the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will someone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. We love Because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have not seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must love their brother or sister also. We can only love because God has loved us. And we can only share love because God shared his love with us. And if he has done that, how can we do anything but share the love he's given with the people around us? People every bit as broken and lost as we were in our sin too. The love of God transforms our hearts and makes the impossible possible and helps us to see that the battle truly lies not with people, but with sin. Ephesians chapter 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And that's the real truth, that is the real reality we face. Our enemy is not people, even if they're treating us poorly. It's sin and the brokenness in this world. And the only hope is not revenge. It's not in getting even, not even in trying to make it right. It's in the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. Restoring us to a relationship with Himself. And restoring us in relationship with each other. As we are transformed and redeemed by His blood. Love your enemies is submission to Him. It's trusting Him. Trusting our hurts to Him. And believing that He is in control. And letting Him truly make all things new. Including the things most painful to us. That all can know and see that He is God. And His glory is greater than anything we face. Love your enemies is one of the most profound things that Jesus calls us to do. And while it might not be possible in our own strength, it is possible with Him. He told us in Matthew 19, with man this is impossible. With God all things are possible. Possible doesn't mean easy, even as we walk with Him. And as we ask ourselves these questions, it might take time. It might take time for Jesus to help us forgive someone, to help us truly love them like He wants, like He does. So I ask these questions, but know that it is a process and that Jesus is walking with you, but who has God called you to love that you cannot? Who has He called you to pray for that you just cannot pray for them? Who is He calling you to forgive that you cannot forgive? Jesus called us to perfection and in his redemption and restored relationship we can taste the perfection of the kingdom of God if we will let him help us love our enemies. But it's only in restored relationship with him and this morning we're going to take communion together and it's a chance for us to reflect on this together. For him to allow those names to enter our hearts. And those names might bring hurt. They might bring bitterness as they come in. We feel it so deeply, so emotionally. The hurt that they've done to us. But as we come to the cross today, I invite you to ask Jesus to help you lay down those hurts. To let him help you find forgiveness in yourself and for those people. He will help you to know what it means to love them. And that doesn't mean sometimes, again, in abuse relationships and things like this, it doesn't mean that we become best friends with them again. Sometimes we have to protect ourselves from people that are hurting us. But the bitterness and the anger that we carry is not what God wants. He's inviting us to know life, to know love, to know freedom from these things. To genuinely pray for them for their good. If you're new or newer here, we do communion, maybe in a way that's unfamiliar. We have these crosses and stations set up around the room and in a moment, we'll invite you to come and gather the elements there. You can come as an individual. You can come with family. Communion is communal. It is community and so if you want to come with friends or family and share in that time together, we encourage that but if you have some work you need to do on your own, you can come as an individual. Gather the elements. Take them back to your spe- seat. Spend some time praying. Take them as you feel led to do. The team's going to pray and, uh, uh, or or play and, and lead us through uh, some music here as we go. If you're not able to make your way to one of the stations, uh, Ed will uh, bring the elements to you. You can just flag him down as he carries those around. This is a heavy thing today. And it is timely that it lands on this communion Sunday that we can recognize what Jesus has done for us, that we were his enemies too. And on that cross, he said, Father, forgive Dustin. He doesn't know what he's done. And If he can forgive me, he can help me forgive others and love them as he does. So let me pray for us. We're going to take these elements together and walk through this time together and invite Jesus to speak to us. Father God, we we thank you for the words of Jesus. We thank you for the teachings and for the revelation that he has given us of your nature and your heart, your love. But God, some of these things are hard. Some of these things hurt. Some of these things you call us to do, we can't do. The hurt, the anger, the pain, the bitterness is too deep. But Jesus, you are enough. And in restored relationship with you, as we we, we receive your forgiveness and receive your spirit, you can begin that healing. You can begin to help us love people that we can't love, to show grace where we can't show grace, to share what we didn't deserve either. So God, this morning in this place, we pray your spirit upon what is happening here. We pray your spirit to speak to each of us, God, that you will help us to know forgiveness. We come and take these elements, your body broken for us, your blood shed for us, for our sins. That on that cross, you said for each of us, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And in the death and resurrection of Jesus, the new life that we can receive, we want to live in it. So speak now at this time, Father. Speak to us. Help us to grow. Help us to see and know your love that we can share it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can come to the crosses as you feel led.